Well, welcome. Good morning. Let's stand and worship God together. citizen of heaven.
load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We're here, Father, because you've touched us. You've given us the gift of faith and your spirit within. And so we worship you, Father. You are a good and generous God. We worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, good morning. It's good to be with you. Um, we are collecting also our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. We have one more Sunday. I've seen a, a few trickle in here and there throughout the last couple weeks, so I thank you for supporting that. You can bring them next Sunday to church, put them on the visitor's center there so we can get those shoeboxes to uh, the kids. So that's been a, a neat thing to do. Wrong holiday, though, right? What holiday is coming up, ladies? Thanksgiving, right? You know I teach third grade, right? Did you know that? Yeah, so do you do things in your classroom about Thanksgiving? Maybe you uh, do an activity about what you're grateful for or what you're thankful for. Um, I do sometimes a turkey, and we put a feather 
for everything we're thankful for and we write what we're thankful for on, on a feather or maybe we do a tree and we glue leaves on there. What kind of things are you grateful for? What kind of things uh, you know, did you share with your teacher or your parents? Or uh, Need some time to think? Yeah, you got yours? My family. Your family, yeah. I'm grateful for my family too. The food that we have. Yeah, definitely. We're not going hungry. The food that we have. You know, my kids in my class, they thought of similar things. They said they were grateful for their dog. They were grateful for their brothers. Sometimes. They were grateful for their sisters, their cousins. They were grateful for their home. They were grateful for their school and their teachers. It was really neat that none of them said... They were grateful for their Xbox, or they were grateful for their, you know, favorite Nerf gun or their basketball. Nobody thought of a thing. So Pastor Kevin's going to preach on the love of money or the things of the Spirit today. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 it starts, about talking about what we should be focusing on instead of things, right? So this is the season that we are, you know, stopping for a minute on Thanksgiving weekend. And yeah, we're eating a lot of food, right? Mashed potatoes and turkey and whatever else people fix. <laughs> you get so full that you can't move. Mr. Dave usually falls asleep watching football. <laughs> but we stop and also think about all those things we're grateful for. So, um, after we pray, listen for that in his message. You can grab a Kid Street tattoo or two or three on your way back to your seats, okay? All right. Bow with me. Dear Lord, help us to remain in, a, in an attitude of gratitude that we focus on those things that you bless us with that we are not concerned so much with the things of the earth, but those spiritual things that we can share with others, love, acceptance, compassion, friendship. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's continue to stand if you're able. And let's sing and worship God together. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Calling, calling, oh sinner.
Mary, when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not his mercy? Mercy for you and for me. Just a 
pray with me please dear heavenly father we thank you for this fine day we thank you father for the many things that we just take for granted every day and we thank you for all the blessings you bestow upon us and father we ask that you be with our church be with all those who are sick right now be with all those who are lonely and all those father that have fallen away from you and help us, Father, in the days ahead to be more cautious. And Father, be with our new elect president that will be coming in in January. And Father, we ask now that you take these tithes and offerings and use them in the way that you see fit. In your son Jesus' name, amen. You know, Dave was, was telling us to think about all the things that we're thankful of this season. Just wanted to, to give another shout out uh, to our wonderful sound and media team. Without them, we, we really can't do much, uh, and they've been an enormous help for us uh, as, our, as we're continuing to put our, our digital services online. So if you see the Etter family, Debbie and Bob, if you see Andy Cavanaugh, if you see Russell Pierce, be sure to, to reach out to them and, and tell them thank you for all the very hard work that they do. Okay, this tune that we're going to sing for you now is, is a real rockin' tune by the band Casting Crowns. And you know, uh, Rick is you know, dealing with some, some stuff with his parents, and, and he can't, uh, can't go to visit them due to COVID things, and it's and got, got some restrictions. So, so he's out today, so we don't have drums. So we're going to do a different version of this song. I hope you like it. through your eyes I want to be your hands and feet I want to live a life that leads ready yourselves ready yourselves 
Let us shine the light of Jesus in the darkest night. Oh, ready yourselves, ready yourselves. May the powers of darkness tremble as our praises rise. Until the whole world hears, Lord, we are calling out. Lifting up your name for only the sound. Like voices in the wilderness, we're crying out. And as the day draws near, We'll sing until the whole world hears. Lord, let your sleeping giant rise. Catch the demons by surprise. Holy nation sanctified. Let this be our battle cry. Ready yourselves, ready yourselves. Let us shine the light of Jesus in the darkest night. Oh, ready yourselves, ready yourselves. May the power of darkness tremble as our praises rise. Until the whole world hears, Lord, we are calling out. Lifting up your name for only the sound. Like voices in the wilderness, we're crying out. And as the day draws near, we sing until the whole world hears. Whoa, whoa. Sing until the whole world hears. Whoa, whoa. Sing until the whole world hears. Thank you, Dana Band. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 6. In your New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Continuing in our series, God's Word, the Path to Life. As Dave said earlier, we're going to talk about material possessions, the stuffs of life, and how our pursuit of stuff kind of gets in the way of the best kind of life. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn to that passage if you would and hold it open there. And I do appreciate our tech team and they are there all the time and I appreciate them and appreciate our band because they work hard. So we're blessed with some really good people. You too. Open your Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 6. As always we pray. Pray for our new president. Whether you voted for him or not is irrelevant now, isn't it? Pray for him. Pray for her. Pray for all those new people that are going to be coming in. Whether you like him or not is no longer an issue. Whether you voted for them or not is no longer an issue. 
they are in the office. So let's just pray that God can use them. And you know this, you've been around a long time, so have I. Every president does some good things, every president says some bad things. Sometimes they talk intelligently and sometimes not. Because I talk for a living, I give a lot of grace to politicians. If you talk very much into a microphone, you're going to say dumb things. So expect that to come. Pray with me, please. Father, again, we thank you for your presence and for this life. Father, we gather in the name of Jesus. We are united by our faith in him. You draw together people that are different, that sometimes have almost nothing in common. And yet, through Jesus, we are family. Help us to remember that, Father. To remember that in spite of our differences in Christ, we are joined together. Help us to love. Help us to give grace. Help us to be kind. In coming days, Father, we ask for your leadership in this nation. Help us as we heal and get back to work. We pray that you would guide our leaders as they help us deal with this pandemic. We pray for our world leaders that they would do the same in their lands. Father, we pray for your help. In so many ways, Father, we struggle. We are intelligent and educated and have money and power. And it seems as if we cannot do even the most simple of things without messing them up. Forgive us and help us. As always, be with our first responders, our soldiers and their families. Doctors, those in the medical field, protect them. Use them, Father, to bring healing and peace. We pray for our leaders that you would give them wisdom and discernment. Use them to pull us together. Help us, Father, to lay aside our differences for the greater good. Lord, this morning we study your word as we learn how to live this life. Teach us and help us to learn. As always, Father, we thank you for this good life, for the life we have in Jesus, for the life we have in this great nation, for our freedoms and privileges and our wealth. We thank you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, an honest question, don't answer this out loud. Is there any limit to the stuff that you want in your garage or basement? Isn't it amazing what we buy? We have to have it. If you think you're above that sort of thing, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a garage sale? Do you look at the stuff that you sell in a garage sale? It's junk, isn't it? That's why you put 25 cents and 50 cents on it. It's junk, and you paid a lot of money for it when you had to have it. Now, I know that you may not be that way, but you can go to your neighbor's garage sale and see it, can't you? You know, we buy stuff, and even though we're intelligent people and we know buying stuff doesn't make us happy, for some reason there's something within us, if I buy that, I will be happy. Now, we would never say that out loud, and we don't really believe that, but still there's something in our gut that leads us to think, I've got to have that. 
This happened to me just last night. Now, you know, and I've talked to you about this before. I like things that go boom and zoom. It's just the way it is. If you can shoot it or write it or make it go zoom, I want it. And I have this constant battle within me. So last night, Tam and I were watching an old James Bond movie. And I don't necessarily recommend it, but I was just watching this movie. And in the middle of this movie, there was a motorcycle chase. And in this motorcycle chase, they were using a particular kind of motorcycle that I've always wanted but never had. And so for the duration of this motorcycle chase, where they were jumping and climbing and zinging around, I thought, I want one of those. And so for the duration of that movie, I was so glad that I couldn't get any phone service because I would have been on crazes looking for the cost of one of those motorcycles. Now, cooler heads prevailed. My wife poured water on my desires, of course, as she does and she needs to. But that's just one example of how you want things, and sometimes they're impulse things, and you've got to have them, and you want them so bad they hurt. And if you can just walk away sometimes, you'll get away from it. Everybody is like that. Interestingly enough, in ancient cultures it was the same way. Before the day of cars and multiple shoes and all those kinds of things that we have to have, there were people who were normal like you and I, in the church, following Jesus, struggling against the desire to have the stuffs of this life. It has always been this way. In the passage we're going to read in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul, the old pastor, was talking to Timothy, the young pastor. And in the church where Timothy was pastor, people were struggling with the desires of this life. And they were good folk, just like us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verses 9, I'll read 9 through 12. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, interestingly enough, sometimes we think that the pastor of the church was doing okay, and it was the people of the church that were struggling. But did you notice this in verse 11? But flee from these things, you man of God. The pastor was part of the problem. Amazing, isn't it? Preachers are normal. We hate to admit that, but we are. And so in the early church, Christians struggled against the temptation to get stuff. And so did the pastors. They were just normal people. You follow Jesus. You do your best. You ask Jesus to guide you. You sit through Bible studies. You study scripture. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you follow the ways of this world. So on screen, we see what Timothy's congregation had to learn. That is the pursuits of this world threatened to keep us from the best that this life has to offer. So you want things, and it really doesn't matter if the things are good or bad. We just want things. You know, for me to have another motorcycle isn't a bad thing. I mean, motorcycles are just things, right? They're neither good nor bad. And sometimes I want them all, and sometimes I want to get away from them. Uh, You know, but you and I are the same thing. There's nothing wrong with an extra pair of shoes or another dress or another truck, or whatever it is that you desire. Those things are not necessarily evil, but the desire for those things can pull you away from God. If you notice in this passage, is that often misquoted passage, for the love 
of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't evil. It's the love of money and worldly possessions is the root of so many forms of evil. So you need to understand that there's nothing necessarily evil with possessions. But this is that desire that we're talking about. For sometimes your desire for things and happiness through things is the very thing that gets in the way of the true satisfaction that God wants you to have. So if you'll look in verse 9, talking about Christians here, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. So good people... Paul does not condemn the Christians here. Good people let themselves get hung up on the desires for things of this flesh. And in the pursuit of those things, they get themselves into trouble. He's talking about people that want something so bad, they sacrifice something truly good in order to get that which they think will make them happy. Sometimes it's sacrificing time with your family so you can make extra money. Sometimes it's sacrificing the funds that you have to get a possession and you, and you sacrifice your financial stability. And on and on it goes. And, and amazingly enough, 2,000 years ago, in an agrarian culture, they were facing the exact same thing as you and I face today. Different stuffs, of course. But in ancient cultures, they went after tapestries. You know, fancy uh, pieces of cloth and rugs that you hang on a wall. Those were signs of wealth. And people who had dirt floors would sometimes sacrifice everything they had to get a nice rug on that dirt floor. It doesn't make sense to us. But every culture has things like this. And the fact that you can't imagine what they wanted in those cultures doesn't really matter. But 2,000 years ago in the early church, people wanted the stuffs of this life just like us. Whenever you chase those things, you lose. It's called chasing the dream, isn't it? When you want something so bad, you can taste it and it consumes you. And what happens is when you want something new, what you have becomes not enough. You ever notice that? It doesn't matter what you have in your driveway. If you are pining for something else, you got to have it. I could tell you dozens of stories about me and cars and motorcycles. You've already heard all those things. But every one of us here has those stories, right? When you want something badly enough, it makes everything else look inadequate. It goes for your spouses, it goes for your cars, it goes for your clothes, it goes for your jobs, it goes for your houses. We all understand the fact that you are Christian, that you follow Jesus, doesn't mean you are immune to these things. So what we have to learn to do is learn to resist and pursue the correct things. Because if you don't, you lose Again, look at verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. So here's the paradox. We all want the same things in life. We want good relationships. We want family. We want health. And we want to have our basic needs met. You know, that's, all what, that's what we say. And that's all true. We want those things. And yet the pursuit of things keeps us from getting those things sometimes. We sacrifice that which truly satisfies. Family, stable relationships, a, an active faith in Jesus. We sometimes sacrifice those things in the pursuit of the stuffs of this life. And so in the early church, this is what they were doing. 
So what we want to do is see how it can help us to be different. And on screen is this next idea. The pursuit of faith can lead you to experience a life that is real and full. This is where you understand that the stuffs of this life are fleeting and temporary. And no matter how slick it is or how much you want it right now, it will not satisfy you for very long. It's just the way it is. And when you grasp that, then you begin to understand, all right, what do I need to do? And this is where you begin to pursue something different. If you would, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Instruct those who are rich in this present world, not be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So this is where Paul is teaching Timothy. And he's teaching Timothy because teaching Timothy needs to hear it too. And he in turn is supposed to teach his people. What you have to learn to do is slot in the good things of God and earnestly desire those things instead of the things of this world. Now, he's not calling us to be an ascetic, to give up all the pleasures of this world. That is not what we're talking about. Paul is saying simply, as Christians, we have to keep things in the proper perspective. Whatever is in your driveway can satisfy some desires for a short time, and then they will get old. The clothing that you had to have will get tight. I don't know that happens, but it does. The shoes that you have to have, all 150 pairs, will sometimes be just old stuff that you sell at a garage sale for 50 cents a pair. You've done it, so have I. And so what we have to learn to do is to pursue those good things. And what you have to do, I think, is substitute the truly good things for the things that just can't satisfy. I have this conversation with my doctor every time I go. And my doctor's a nice guy. He's 11 years old and has a 9-year-old wife. You know the type, right? And he has to weigh 145 pounds. And she weighs much less than that. And they're just the beautiful people. And then I go in the office, there's all sorts of pudgy folk just like me, and we have the conversation, you're right? You know the conversation, Kevin. This chart says you're obese, and this is what you need to do. I said, so he talks to me about this, and this goes on almost every time we go in. And I said, so what do I have to do? He goes, well, you have to give up. And he focuses on what I have to give up. And I say, can I have hamburgers and beef? No. Well, how about french fries? No. Well, how about fried chicken? No. And all the things that I want to get on the way home today, he says, you can't have those things, right? I said, well, what am I supposed to eat? So he, the doctor who weighs 140 pounds with this skinny little wife, says, okay, this is what you do. You eat fresh fruits and vegetables. They're very satisfying. And you give up meat because it's going to be bad for you. So you eat more fresh fruits and vegetables. And if you need something sweet, and he pulls out a pack of carob bits. Ever heard of that? Carob is a, a fake chocolate. It's a plant that sort of tastes like chocolate and it's really bitter but it's dark and it smells sort of like chocolate and if you bathe it in syrup it tastes okay. But he says, Kevin, when you have something that you have to have like sweets or chocolate, just chew carob bits. So I bought some carob bits and they're terrible and I spit them out and if you want them I will give them to you. And what he's trying to do is help me to substitute the good things for the bad things. Now, I appreciate what he's trying to do, but it's not working. 
Paul says, instead of chasing after those things that cannot help you, pursue those things that can. So this time, Paul is my doctor, and what he's saying is true. The things that God wants you to have really can satisfy you. The things of this world, they can't. It's not that they're evil, but your desire for those things keeps you from achieving the happiness that you want. So on screen are some things we can get from this passage that will help us in the pursuit of this good life. First of all, don't base your worth on what you're worth, on what you are worth. You can see it's a word play there. How much money you have doesn't make you better. It makes you have more money, and that's it as far as it goes. Nothing wrong with it. Sometimes God blesses people with more. That's okay. But it doesn't make you better. You notice that in this passage, he talked about those people that were conceited. In the church, there were those people that had money, and they were having a problem. That's why he brings it up. You were having a problem with being conceited. People thought they were better because they had more. He said, you got to stop that nonsense. It doesn't mean anything like that at all. It just means you're fortunate. God's given you something. You have a workable skill or something like that. It doesn't make you better. So understand what possessions can and cannot do. Keep them in a proper perspective. The next one, place your hope in that which lasts. So we talked about how possessions cannot last. Family lasts longest on this earth. And the one thing that lasts forever is what? It's your faith in Jesus. If you are wise, you will invest more in that which lasts and less in that which cannot last. So if you invest your time and energies in the things and the pursuits of this world, you're not necessarily a bad person, but you will never have the things that truly satisfy in this life and in the life to come. Another one, invest in other people. Look at that. Your relationships or what have the potential to be good for you. Look at verse 18. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So here's the key. If you want fulfillment and satisfaction in this life, this is what you do. You invest in other people. You do good works. You serve others. And you generously give to others. Through ministries, through helps, through service to others, through gifts to people you love. It doesn't really matter as long as you do it in the name of Jesus. Those are the things that fill you most. Tam and I are having this conversation about Christmas, which is kind of out of control at our house. We have 14 trees this year, so it's crazy. But we do agree on one thing. We don't really want much, but what we want to do is give to our grandkids, invest in others. And I know that I've seen what you guys do, and you, some of you understand this, because possessions, some possessions, even though I'm in love with motorcycles, they really don't do much for me, but giving something to my grandkids really does do something for me. And this is what Paul is teaching Timothy. These rich people that think they're going to get happy by having stuff need to understand that the fulfillment that lasts comes from giving to others, from helping people, from helping family, and from serving others. One other thing, verse 19. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. The word life indeed is a real life. So keeping it real is an idea there. 
the real life that you want, the life that is life indeed, is a spiritual perspective. In other words, he's justifying the whole Christian endeavor. People that want things aren't bad people. But we have to be careful. The pursuit of things can destroy us. And they can never make you happy. Like I said, the slickest car you will sell. The nicest piece of clothing you will outgrow. Maybe you'll wear out, but you'll probably outgrow it first. You know, no matter what your possessions are that you have to have, they simply will not last. It's not the nature of things on this earth. So if you invest yourself in those things, you lose. Instead, Paul says to Timothy who struggles and to a group of church people who struggle, pursue this faith that is in Jesus because it is only that faith and that life that satisfies. On screen is a passage of Scripture. Read this with me if you would. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So Paul is really only repeating what Jesus taught people. Pursue issues of faith. Give yourself in service to others. Invest what you have in the things of God. And the things that you really want will become yours. It's not an investment scheme to get God to give you more. What it means is when you invest yourself in the things of God, you win and you experience the blessings that only come from God. Nate's going to come and lead us in it of invitation. Let me challenge you to consider this Christmas season what you might give to others, how you might be generous and even serve God in that endeavor. Would you stand with me please? promised promised for you and for me though we have sinned he has mercy and pardon pardon for you and for me Next Sunday, we'll be collecting the shoe boxes. So let me encourage you. We still have some left, I think. 
you'd like to share in that way, let me encourage you to do that. If you haven't so far, bring your shoes back by next Sunday. Also remember that next Sunday after the services, the City of Independence will be giving free COVID tests. They'll be available for you just as soon as you go out the door. And they'll be there till 2 o'clock for those of you who want to go and do something and come back or whatever. So that's for everybody. Mike, would you lead us? Dear Heavenly Father, be with us now as we go. Keep and protect us from harm. And Father, help us this week to do a good deed for someone else. And Wednesday, say hi to a veteran. Or if you can't, just say a prayer for a veteran. And do these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.